Welcome to 5-Minute Finance, a podcast that explores topics that are impacting your money. Join us as we discuss what is moving the economy, markets, stocks, and personal finance. This podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Before acting on any financial advice, you should consult a financial professional who can review your specific financial situation. Any opinions expressed by the hosts or guests are their own and do not reflect the opinion of LVM Capital Management. Clients or employees of LVM Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in the podcast. Welcome to 5-Minute Finance. I am Tyler. Here with me today is Jordan. Jordan, how you doing? Good. We're going to do some listener questions today. Uh, We had several come in over the last few months, and we figured this episode would be a good one to answer some of those questions from listeners. So the first one here is, when should I start investing? And along with that is, when do I need to hire a financial planner? Good question. When should I start investing? Yesterday right? Yeah, exactly. And you could even go back to our power of compounding episode just a few weeks back that talked about the earlier you start, the better off you are. Question, when should I start investing is usually asked in the context of when is a good time to get in the market? So should you wait for a market pullback or should I just start now? And the answer usually is time in the market is more important than timing the market. So there are several firms that show the research behind the impact of being out of the market. One from JP Morgan shows the difference between being fully invested from January 2001 through December 2020 uh, versus missing the 10 best days during that period. So if you stay fully invested during that period, your returns are about 7.5% annually. If you miss just the 10 best days during that period, your return is cut by more than half to about 3.35% annually. The other example we give is if you look at investing at the peak in 2007 before the financial crisis. So you could have bought the S&P 500 at the high October 9th of 2007, saw your investment fall by over 50% over the next 17 months. And But if you held on to that original investment, it'd be up more than 175% through the end of 2020 not including the impact of dividends. So that's good for more than 8% compounded growth. Unlike aging, uh, time is on your side when it comes to your investing career. The earlier you start, the the better. When did you start investing, Jordan? Oh man, that was early on. I remember getting stock certificates from grandma when I was a kid, you know, and when you were a, a single digit there, you didn't really know what that was. Your uh, mom or dad would tell you, you know, hold on to this. It's going to be worth more someday. And as you, you know, become of age, you start looking at it more and getting interested in what it is. But I'd say my, my real start in investing was you know, near the housing crisis of 2008, started getting really interested when that became more prevalent in the news cycle. And I was starting off in college there. So right, right about then. What about, what about you, Ty? Yeah. So kind of similar, at least start. Mine was, I was nine or 10 years old, starting a lawn mowing business just kind of mowing neighbors' lawns and things like that. And I remember my grandma gave me a couple hundred bucks to start an investment account with the intention of the money I earn, if I put that in there, there would be some matched along the way. So she kind of really kind of wanted to get me started as early as possible, which is what you should do. So thank you, grandma. And so with that is, you know, I think that the first stock I bought was Disney back like right when it split back in the 2000. Yep. 
or maybe even before that. But either way, it was kind of interesting because we'd always either talk about it or I remember going through the Wall Street Journal back then. You'd have to go to the Wall Street Journal to, to look at stock prices and things like that. And, you know, uh, you know, every Sunday or whatever, I'd go see what, what happened to Disney that week and kind of share that and have some conversations back and forth with my grandparents and parents. Sounds like the key to success is grandmas when it comes to starting your investing career, at least for both of us. So. Exactly. And so the second part of that question is, when do I need to hire a financial planner? Jordan, any thoughts there? You know, this is a good one. And we, you know, have clients across the age spectrum. If you're very engaged in your career and you do not have time to think about taxes, insurance, how to save, where to save, when to save, that might be time when you, when you know you need help, you know, no, no different than there's a pain and I got to go see a doctor my two thirds and you got to see a dentist. You know, when you have that point where you think you need help, that might be a time to start searching for a, for a financial advisor. Yeah. And I think a lot of the clients that come to LVM is, is a lot of times it's an event, you know, do you sell a business and you have focused all your energy on your business and you don't want to have to focus on managing your investments. The other thing is, you know, you, maybe you got an inheritance or you're now at retirement and your funds were in a company 401k and you're rolling those over to an IRA and you want somebody to manage those funds for you and maybe a little different manner. So a lot of times it's it's just an event and people just don't want to have to deal with their finances on a day-to-day basis. They want to enjoy retirement or re- enjoy their second part of their career if they're selling mm-hmm. a business. And even a lot of times, even younger clients that come with us, they just, they'd rather spend their time with their family than focus on Agreed. Uh, what's yep. happening in the markets. So an impossible question for you here. How much do I need to retire? That is a very good question. <laughs> and, you know, like everything and our disclaimer, it boils down to everybody has a different circumstance and different scenario. But some of the rules and uh, guidelines we use for a lot of our clients, we'll talk about those. But one is like the 4% rule. So that's a very common retirement type goal to live by. And basically what it is, is it takes the amount or value that you have saved for retirement or assets in your retirement accounts or even taxable accounts, things like that, and applies a 4% distribution to that. So if you have a million dollars, that's $40,000 a year using 4% that you could live on from your portfolio. Obviously on top of that, a lot of people maybe have other sources of income, rental income or other business income, social security, things like that. But the 4% rule mainly focuses on a percentage of your assets. Yeah. A couple other ways you can do this too. You can kind of back into doing an expense base or budgeting. So, you know, I need 60,000, 50,000 a year for my living expenses. What size account do I need to produce that level of income? You can also take into account then social security if you have a pension stream. So it's all just not asset draws from a investment account can be from other sources there as well. So either the, the income driven or the expense driven side. I think that's, that's important right there, the income driven. So a lot of clients and a lot of folks just want to live off of the income generated by the portfolio. If my portfolio generates 2% dividend income or 3% dividend income, I'm going to use that as what I can spend. I'm going to try to get to that level to where my expenses are covered by my income so I don't have to touch any principal. Yep. And then I guess lastly here, we'll kind of try to tie two questions into one. There are many different types of retirement accounts, 401ks, 403bs, 457s. 
And then on the IRA side, you have traditional and Roth IRAs. Ty, you want to kind of walk us through some of the differences on on some of these accounts here? Yeah. So I guess first, the traditional 401k is a retirement plan offered by a, an employer. So when we look at that would be a defined contribution plan or would be similar to that. Whereas your employer is, has a defined amount that they're giving you a lot of times based on a percentage of your salary, anywhere from two to five, even up to 10% or more. And those retirement accounts are great for tax efficiency, right? As you, every dollar that you put in reduces your taxable income. So you don't have to pay tax on that. The funds also grow tax free. So any of the dividends, interest, capital gains, anything earned inside that account grows tax free. You don't pay tax on it. The only time that you would pay tax is if you take funds out of that account. And a lot of the rules behind that is usually over 59 and a half is when you can take funds out. There are some different exceptions in there, but typically it's you're going to be pulling funds out of these accounts after 59 and a half or in retirement. And when you pull that money out, it is taxed at your marginal tax rate. And just to kind of compare and contrast that, what Tyler was describing on the the employer plan side of 401k or 403b is going to follow similar guidelines to an IRA with different contribution limits. But then the the unique one here is a Roth IRA, where instead of getting the tax deduction on your contributions, you are putting in after-tax dollars. You're still getting the same deferred growth within the IRA, but you're not paying tax when you take a distribution. So kind of think of it as an IRA in reverse, if you will. There's other plans out there too, but these are, are some of the more prevalent ones that you'll see either if you're self-employed or, or working for a, a profit or nonprofit corporation. Yep. So those were a few of the questions we had. We do have some other ones we'll be covering, but this kind of all landed inside of the retirement landscape. So feel free to reach out to us at podcast at lvmcapital.com with any of the questions that you have, and we'd be happy to cover those. 